You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness, and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness, and physiology right now. In part three of this lecture, Dr. Nader meets with a group of medical students and early career health professionals as a part of an integrative medicine scholars program to answer questions on topics relating to consciousness, mind and body, stress, and its relevance in the future of healthcare. Tonight, I am extremely grateful to welcome Dr. Nader. Hello, Dr. Nader. Hello. So I would like to open for a few questions yeah, I see questions that are very interesting. Orseola likes to comment a little more on a point. My main question was actually, since there's that overload, that cognitive overload, the physicians and young physicians and, and residents, you know, that they experience, including medical students to a certain degree. So I was just wondering, I know you alluded to some programs and what one can do, but um, in general, what do you think, I guess, the future would look like being that the field that is studying this, which is the medical field, is a field that is putting a lot of stress on the consciousness of the medical personnel? Do you think it's something that would be a, a personal mission where we all should kind of look out for our health? Or do you think that you see something where health systems are, are studying this and seeing that it's very, very obvious, and maybe that in the future you see a trend of implementing these programs to the various uh, medical personnels? Yeah, I see it as a necessity, actually, for all medical personnel. You know, you close your eyes for these 20 minutes and you open them and as if a whole new day, a fresh new day starts for you. And the good thing about it, and that relates to another question about the inability of the mind to settle during the meditation time. And many people say, oh, meditation is not for me. My mind jumps all over. I can't, uh, you know, I can't hold it and etc." And really, this is the technique for everybody, and particularly those whose mind jumps around, because it doesn't require to actually try to control the mind at all. So it's not something you do extra work for, and you kind of, oh, I, again, I have to try to do this. It's something that when you learn it, you look you are on the outlook, you want to find the time and you're looking for the time to do it because it's enjoyable, it's easy, it gives you such a deep rest, it removes the load. And that's what we mean really by broadening the container of knowledge. If we are stressed and strained physically and cognitively, we our container is shrinking and that's even physical. The, the human nervous system recognizes stress and strain as danger and then can respond with a fight or flight response, which means the blood flow even to the brain goes more to the amygdala and the limbic system and these areas that are controlling fight or flight. And they are shunted away from the upper cortex and the areas which are allowing us to see things from a broad perspective and therefore, this is how you see the load is becoming very big because 
the nervous system is not fully available and relaxed because this is our nature. You know, nature made us prioritize danger over creativity and all of that because when you are in the jungle and the tiger is pouncing, it's not the time to think of the philosophy of life and, you know, beautiful things to do. It's the time to run or to fight. And so you have to immediately react, you know, your eyes constrict, adrenaline goes up, cortisol goes up, you're being protected, blood is shunted to the muscles, so ready to fight. This is the fight or flight response, obviously. And then the upper parts of the brain, even though you're aware, but you're not fully yourself, your full true self. And so we have translated this from the jungle to our modern situation when we are under stress what kind of stress, whatever kind of stress, our capacities become limited. And this is where, you know, we have to recover. So one thing is very important to remember, and this is something I want to just say it slowly, so we really, really keep it in mind. You can only give what you have. If you have tiredness and fatigue, you're not going to give strength and fullness. If you have sadness, you cannot give happiness truly. You can make believe, but ultimately you don't do it. So you should feel responsible for yourself first. You know, we're all as doctors, every one of us, it's a vocation. It's a vocation to help. So we surmount ourselves in order to give to the others. And we feel if we have to take time for ourselves, as if we are shying away from our duty. No, absolutely not. We have responsibility for ourselves first, because when we are strong, when we are clear, when we are happy, then we can give strength and clarity and happiness to others. And so always remember this. And the idea of being altruistic and helping others, make sure you are first helping yourself and then you can actually give and contribute maximum to others. Thank you very much. Hello, Dr. Nader. It's a great pleasure to meet you and listen to you speak. You were very fortunate to spend a lot of time with Marishi Mahesh Yogi. And so my question to you is, with the seven levels of consciousness that have been taught, what consciousness levels have you experienced in your life? I have had the opportunity and the chance to experience all the levels of consciousness. And, you know, whatever is established permanently is a personal reality. When Marishi was asked about his state of consciousness, he says, now I am in the waking state of consciousness. So I am awake. And so, you know, these experiences are very personal, very intimate. And we rise in enlightenment and maintaining equanimity in the face of situations and being aware of the self and its fullness and knowing it and experiencing it. Yeah, it's a real thing. It happens even for those who have not established fully all the seven states of consciousness. I was just teaching a course and we had 85 people in advanced Maharishi Vedic science and its practice. And many have experienced and demonstrated and described higher states of consciousness, enlightened states of consciousness, experience of fullness of life, of expansion, of bliss, of peace, inner settlement. 
these are real these are real and they they are achievable that is the purpose of yoga supreme yoga samadhi transcendence you know nirvana and the buddhist tradition so these are all real excellent Definitely. Thank you so much for your talk. It was really enlightening and exciting. An amazing conclusion for what we've already been talking about, integrative medicine and expansion upon it. Not to get into the weeds too much, but my question was kind of for those exceptions. And I think there was a question asked earlier that was along these lines, but more physician focused. But this is for the patient side. When you have patients that have, you know, somatoform disorders or feel unsafe going inward into their body, what are some consciousness-based practices that you might recommend to somebody when they are feeling unsafe in their body or they are looking for escapism in certain ways? We have procedures to help them gradually get there. You know, we have some breathing techniques, pranayama, and some, we can even start with some physical exercise. And there are special steps the teacher can take of attention on different aspects of the body and different things that will get them to gradually accept and integrate. And the mantra is very simple. Usually, you know, we can make sure they can be checked and make sure they don't forget it and practice it. Hello, uh, Dr. Nehra. I had a question, like, no, basically we use thinking and language to communicate with the external world and also to understand our own feelings and all those things for our inner communication. Now, is there any other way to know consciousness without understanding the structure of thinking itself? The question the other way could be, can a mind observe without the movement of thought? Yes, yes. And this is what happens in transcendental meditation. So, you know, we can say there is the intellect, the intellectual, the buddhi, the intellectual understanding, which we use usually through the thought process. We are analyzing what is consciousness. We compare it to quantum mechanics. We say there is a unified field. This is intellectual understanding. But we always say, you know, the taste of the pudding is in the eating, <laughs> is in trying. So you can describe the strawberry to somebody as much as, you know, you can and say how it is and what it is and like that. But the actual taste of a good, juicy, sweet strawberry, you can never know except by experiencing it. And so... This is the same for consciousness. There are different layers of consciousness. Everybody has a different experience, sometimes of deep consciousness, sometimes feel awake, alert. Even if we feel love, that is a color of consciousness. Our consciousness is colored by love. It's a feeling you know, of love. If you're feeling joy, that's a color of consciousness. And if you're feeling bliss and happiness, that's another color of consciousness. When you transcend, it's a direct experience. It's not through the thought process of analyzing the experience. You actually directly experience it. So in the same way as we have experience through the senses, where we actually see a color, where we hear a sound, and that is not an intellectual experience, that is a direct sensory experience, you can have direct experience of yourself, of your true inner self, as being pure consciousness through transcending. 
And therefore the technique doesn't involve intellectual analysis and intellectual probing or contemplation even, which means trying to analyze and think about, you know, compassion or love or goodness or peace on earth and all of that. This can be intellectually analyzed, but the experience of the self, the experience of pure consciousness is a direct experience akin to like actually a sensory experience, but on the inward level. Right, right. Thank you very much. Hi, Dr. Nader. My question is, when we practice transcendental meditation, we sit silently and experience that quiet state. But as soon as you open up and you're in contact with something else, basically you're again out of that state and you're reacting again. But what if I use a thought to understand it? For example, another person can create a problem but now I understand it's not that the person is trying to create the problem, but that's the state of that person themselves. And then that realization makes me much more silent and give no further reaction to that individual. So I guess I'm thinking that thought can be a helpful tool in that light. Yeah, of course, thinking, planning, preparing, being ready in the activity is very important also. There is transcending and there is action. And there is a higher state of consciousness than transcendental consciousness, which we call cosmic consciousness. And this is really what you are pointing at is that, okay, you transcend during meditation. And then what happens? You close your eyes for these 20 minutes and you open them. But actually you come back stronger. You come back more stable. And that's why often we say meditation is for action. It's not for going back and just hiding and feeling good for the 20 minutes. We are doing meditation, so we are effective in action, that we are clear during action. And the higher state of consciousness, which is even more than transcendental consciousness, is when transcendental consciousness is stabilized so that when you come out into action, you don't lose that state. So that is the state of enlightenment, truly. As in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells Arjuna, yoga sta kuru karmani, which means established in the self, perform action. Established in being, perform action. So never losing the self and the equanimity and the, the stress that we gain during meditation stays with us all the time. And that is, you know, what Dr. Reddy was trying to get me to say. It's like, <laughs> do I experience these states? Which is, yes, very real. You can be in the transcendent yet also at the same time in the action. And that is cosmic consciousness. Well, thank you very much, everyone. It's been a wonderful a joy, and I wish you success in your endeavors as doctors and as professionals of health. Remember to be healthy and happy, and that is a primary responsibility in order to be able to give health and happiness to others. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.